Hello and welcome to the Men Podcast. We've got Dr Nicola Cooper here with us today and she's talking to us about meningitis. Hi, thanks. The topic today is, does this adult patient have meningitis? This, I think, is quite a common scenario that we all come across when we're on call for acute medicine. Let's imagine we have a 30-year-old woman who's presented to the acute medical unit where you work with a gradual onset headache and fever. And you've been asked to go and see the patient because she's query meningitis. Now, most of us have been taught at medical school, and in fact, this is what the textbooks say, that patients with meningitis present, and I'm quoting Davidson's here, present with a classic combination of headache, fever, and meningism. Meningism is photophobia, neck stiffness, and other things that show meningeal irritation, like Koenig's and Brodinsky's. The problem is that's completely wrong. <laughs> and in fact, there was a paper published recently on the perils of teaching medical triads, which can lead to overconfidence and premature closure. Because the reality is that most patients don't present with classic triads at all. In fact, in a study published in 2002 in Clinical Infectious Diseases by Thomas et al., I'll explain what they found. So in a prospective study, of about 300 patients in a US emergency department of people who came in with query meningitis, nearly everyone has headache and a fever. But the next most common symptom is nausea and vomiting. And around half of patients will tell you that they have a stiff neck. When you examine patients with meningitis, this is with meningitis, only a third have neck stiffness. Now, if you're training in infectious diseases or neurology, you will know that most patients with meningitis do not have neck stiffness on examination. But I'm still introducing this fact to medical registrars even today. So let's go back to this question. Does this 30-year-old woman that you're about to clock in have meningitis or not? So obviously you need to take a history and you're looking for, it's usually a 24 to 48 hour, maybe longer history of gradual onset global headache uh, sometimes it's not global though, it's maybe just forehead or frontal. And they usually have a fever and there's nothing else to explain it. So they don't have huge exudative tonsils, they don't have pneumonia, they don't have palinephritis. You know, there are other things that give you a headache and a temperature, right? You know, lots of illnesses give you a headache and the headache is a feature of that illness, right? But in meningitis, the patient's coming and the headache is the illness, it's not part of the illness. Does that make sense? So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking for any other reason why they might have this headache and a fever. You know, have you got chesty symptoms? Have you got GU symptoms? Don't forget diarrhea and vomiting can occur in, in meningitis as well. That's enterovirus. So I have a very low threshold for doing an LP on someone with a gradual onset headache and a fever, but I don't know why. And that's because I know that the majority of patients, particularly remember in the UK, people present early, we have vaccinations, they have less severe inflammation. So they, they're not gonna have neck stiffness, right? And by the way, how do we examine for neck stiffness? You lie the patient flat, you put your hands behind their occiput, you get them to relax and you flex their neck by lifting up their head and you're feeling for passive resistance. You don't say to patients, can you put your chin on your chest? Please don't ever say that. That's not how you test for neck stiffness. So let's imagine now we do a lumbar puncture. Always measure the opening pressure in a diagnostic LP. 
And the lumbar puncture should be part of your clarking. You should never, ever think query meningitis and walk away and leave that patient for someone else to see. The lumbar puncture is part of your clarking, and that's quite important. Should you do a CT head? No, <laughs> please don't do a CT scan of the head. Even if you can't see the fundi, these are updated British Infection Association guidelines. If the patient is alert and not confused and talking to you, they're sitting there with their sunglasses on telling you about their headache and their fever. The reasons when you would do a CT head are immunocompromised patients, seizures, confusion, focal neurology, someone with a reduced GCS. Okay, You do not do a routine CT scan of the head before doing a lumbar puncture and suspected meningitis. Should you give antibiotics before an LP? No, please do not give any antibiotics before an LP. You know, within a few hours, you can uh, start treating the infection, change the results of the lumbar puncture, and most of the patients we see are well. Many junior doctors I've spoken to have never seen a sick patient with meningitis, and that's because it's actually uncommon. Most of the patients we are clocking in have got a headache and they feel rotten, but they're wide awake and they're talking to you and they're telling you their history. And they're what I would call well. So don't give antibiotics. Assess the patient and get straight on with the LP. Right, let's imagine now that we do the LP and patient's results come back. And let's just imagine they've got 100 lymphocytes in their CSF protein and glucose relatively normal, opening pressure was normal. What does that mean? Think about that for a second. Well, technically what that means is that the patient's got lymphocytic meningitis. Doesn't mean they've got viral meningitis, although they probably do have, but it's lymphocytic meningitis, which has many causes, and I'm sure you can remember to recall them. Things like TB and cancer and cryptococcus and viruses. Now, the reality is that most of our patients will say, I'll write lymphocytic meningitis on the history, it's viral. But remember, if you've got a patient with a history of cancer or maybe they're immunosuppressed or maybe with TB risk factors, there are other things. But of course, you might get in TB a really high protein, really low glucose, etc. OK, so let's imagine now we've decided this is probably viral meningitis. What's the treatment for viral meningitis? Guess what? Paracetamol is the treatment for viral meningitis. And let's imagine now the PCR comes back and this patient's got HSV meningitis and the lab brings you. What's the treatment for that? Guess what? The treatment is paracetamol <laughs> because HSV meningitis is a distinct disease from HSV encephalitis. It is not a continuum. There are some bacteria, for example, that cause a meningoencephalitis, right? When it comes to herpes simplex, HSV, it is not a continuum. The two separate diseases, meningitis and encephalitis. Encephalitis, viral encephalitis is treated with antivirals, acyclovir, for example. Encephalitis, the hallmark of encephalitis is the patient's brain doesn't work. They have impaired cognition or speech disturbance or they're drowsy or they're confused. Okay? Meningitis is a person who's not confused, has no focal neurology and they don't have a reduced GCS, and they have meningism, so they have photophobia, they might complain of a stiff neck, etc. Viral meningitis is treated with paracetamol and fluid. The only reason I mention HSV is because of HSV2. Let's imagine you have a patient 
who's, uh, comes back HSV2. That is a sexually transmitted disease and it can recur. And when it recurs, it's called Mollerase meningitis. And anyone that gets a sample coming back from a lab saying that they had HSV2 meningitis should be followed up in outpatients, either ID or a GU clinic, to have a full STD screen and to have counselling. So, back to our patient to summarise. Does this patient have meningitis? Not everyone with meningitis has neck stiffness or photophobia. And if you know what a likelihood ratio is, by the way, in that study I mentioned by Thomas, the likelihood ratio of the finding of neck stiffness is one. What does that mean? You're equally likely to find it in people with meningitis and people without meningitis. So it's actually not very helpful, at least in our UK context. So I have a low threshold for doing an LP in people I think might have meningitis. But bear in mind, I know how to take a good headache history. So I don't LP people who clearly have a migraine, which remember can cause photophobia and headache. And I don't LP people who clearly have a cluster headache or sinusitis or tonsillitis or whatever. When you do the LP, you should do it as part of your clerking. Please do not do a routine CT head. Please try not to give antibiotics before an LP unless there's really going to be a massive delay and you really think the patient has got bacterial meningitis. And don't forget, if you do want to treat someone with bacterial meningitis, you're meant to give steroids with the first dose. Lymphocytic meningitis has many causes, but viral is one of them. And viral meningitis in an immunocompetent adult might, might be different if you're immunosuppressed, but in an immunocompetent adult, viral meningitis is treated with paracetamol. And that is meningitis in a nutshell. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time.